I'm Matt Downing, and welcome to Diving Deep EDU. Curious conversations with all types of peeps. Encouraging innovation, we are diving deep. Certainly education is what we like to speak. Fervent with dedication, now it is time to teach. The Diving Deep EDU podcast aims to have thought-provoking conversations that help listeners dive deeper into educational practices with a focus on teacher retention, recruitment, and burnout. Subscribe to the Diving Deep EDU podcast newsletter to get more information about this podcast and these topics. A link is in the show notes. Our guest today is Dr. Frederick Buskey. Frederick's mission is to help assistant principals live and lead better. Through the Assistant Principal Podcast, daily leadership email, virtual courses, and online community, he teaches assistant principals to move from spending time on tasks to investing time with people. Frederick, thank you for joining me on this podcast. I want to start the conversation off by you telling us, telling me, telling everyone a little bit more about the work you're currently doing. Matthew, first, I just want to say thanks for having me on. I'm super excited to be here and just appreciate all all that you're doing in this space. And so thank you for giving me the opportunity. I, I was really focused on, you know, you're talking about the idea of teacher retention. And, and so I think I just want to really start actually the conversation with that because I've been in the past one of those people that is always about the mission and thinking that organizations should be purpose-driven. And I started to question that about the last two years. And in since the pandemic, really, it's become so apparent to me that purpose-driven is not the way for us to move forward, but it's really about being people-driven. Mm. And so right now, so much of my work is about working with assistant principals and helping them develop the skills, the habits, and the strategies so that they can shift from putting out fires to investing in people. And so that if they can learn to put people before tasks and even people before purpose, Mm. I'm going to feel at the end of the day, like I've been really successful. Yeah. I mean, as I was uh, reading your intro and, you know, we've talked before and even you sharing that right now, it resonates with me because I'm in a lot of different buildings. And the one thing that principals and assistant principals especially tell me is they're running around putting out fires, right? Like how can they connect more with people? Um, We're going to talk more about that later, but I want you to give, you know, me and our listeners a little glimpse into that. Like, what does that look like for an assistant principal to no longer be running around putting out fires and being able to connect and build capacity within the school? What, like, help us dream and, and, and see things through that lens. What does that look like? So I think the easiest way to understand a very complex situation is to look at two different leadership styles. So mm. first one I call urgent leadership. Yeah. So urgent leaders focus on tasks and yeah. they try to manage their time so that they can get those tasks completed. And they're driven by things that are urgent. So whatever pops up, whatever's screaming loudest, whatever they run into an encounter during the day, that's the thing that's going to command their attention. And because 
they're focused on tasks. And because they're being called into the urgent things all the time, what they wind up doing is treating symptoms, Hmm. which means that they may take care of a situation temporarily, but because all they did was treat the symptom, it's going to come back. Just like if there's an underlying cause that you're having a headache and you take aspirin, that aspirin may make the headache better. But if you haven't really taken care of the underlying problem, it's going to come back. And then the other thing that happens is that we get so caught up that we think as long as we're doing something, Mm. then we're making progress. So we mistake action for progress. And you can talk to so many assistant principals who are working so hard all day long and they finish the day, they're exhausted. And on one hand, they'll tell you, well, yeah, I took care of a lot of things, but then they will also tell you, but I didn't really do anything to make my school better. I just kept mm. us afloat. Yeah. And and so then I contrast urgent leadership with strategic leadership. And so mm. strategic leaders focus on people. And where urgent leaders try to manage time and think that that's the way that they can get into classrooms and work with teachers, strategic leaders understand that it's priority management, not time management. And so the, mm. the teachers working, supporting, and helping teachers grow becomes really the center of their work. They're purpose-driven instead of urgent-driven. Mm. And so they they bring an intentionality to the work based on the priorities. And I, I say school leaders have two big priorities. The first is keep everyone safe. And that yeah. has to come first. And that's a bigger and bigger job, unfortunately, in our world. But the second one is to create better outcomes for kids. But administrators don't teach kids. So the way to help kids is to help support and grow teachers. Mm. So school administrators, two jobs, keep everybody safe, help your teachers grow and and support them consistently. That's that's what's important. That's the purposeful work. And so once we know that that's what we're doing, then we can start to think about the school and the systems and what's going on. And so when we encounter issues, strategic leaders make the time to figure out what the root problem is. And so they identify problems instead of focusing on just treating symptoms. And then they look for ways to create steady incremental progress. And I think in schools, a lot of times we get really focused on the big new thing. You know, what's the big training and we're going to run something in that's going to take us months or years or whatever. I don't think that's effective. What we need to do is help, help teachers, help make teachers' lives better every day. Yeah. And and just incrementally is much more valuable than some, you know, big payoff that may or may not come six months from now. Hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, that's the basis of it. Yeah. Helping those leaders get those skills to be able to do those four things. Yeah, I really like that focus and, and the work that you're doing. I'm sure it's really helpful for those assistant principals. So let me sh- uh, throw a scenario out and you can help me, uh, you know, walk through that through the correct lens. So I'm an assistant principal. I'm not an assistant principal, but in this scenario, <laughs> I am an assistant principal and I'm in a busy school and there's uh, behavior problems and I have a walkie talkie and I'm constantly getting walkie talkie, you know, classroom one, there's a kid, he won't sit down and he's throwing things at another kid. And then I deal with that problem. And then I go to another one, the one kid's pushing the other kid. Then I go to the other one and then I have to run out for recess duty and the kids are fighting out there. And then I run inside and, uh, you know, whatever. I mean, you get the idea, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm saying, Frederick, well, yeah, all of this sounds wonderful, you know, but I have all of these issues I got to deal with. 
help me think through it. And I know this would be a longer process where I'm going to go to in the next, uh, where I want to go to next. But help me think through that scenario that a lot of assistant principals could relate to, thinking through it in a different way. I, I'm going to back up and, and tell the story that drives me because the story you just told is is almost the mirror of that. So five years ago, I was a professor at Clemson University mm-hmm. and I was supervising principal interns. And I drive into this small rural elementary school in South Carolina, I get out of the car, go in the school, visit my intern. And then I decide I'm going to check in with Kelly, the assistant principal. So mm-hmm. I walk into Kelly's office and have you ever gone into somebody's office and you immediately know that something wrong? Oh yeah. Right. Her, her hair's all out of place. Her <laughs> cheeks are flushed. There's papers all over the desk. Uh, and no, I that's say, not a good sign. No, I say, hey, Kelly, what's wrong? And she holds up this stack of yellow papers uh, and waves them in my face. She said, it is 10 o'clock in the morning. I have seven discipline referrals. Mm. Each one of these referrals is going to take me 30 to 45 minutes to process. And my day's over. And she was close to tears. She said, I was going to go work with teachers. I was going to be in classrooms. And now I'm cooked. I'm never going to get out of this office. I asked Kelly, of those seven discipline referrals, how many of those are more about the teacher than the student? She thinks a minute. And she says five, five out of those seven referrals were about teachers, classroom management skills. And I'm not throwing teachers under right. the bus. I'm not saying that's their fault, right? They need support. They, mm-hmm. need, they need the support of Kelly or the instructional coach of somebody to help improve their understanding of those procedures. And especially, you know, in this day and age, we're dealing with with kids coming from a lot of trauma and that takes a higher level of skill. So teachers need, and they deserve that level of support. So here we have a situation where we've got, you know, a passionate young assistant principal and she knows what the problem is, right? She knows that if she can get in and work with those teachers and help them, that is going to start to break the cycle, but she can't figure out how to break, how Mm. to get to that point. And she can't figure out how to get to that point because She's responding always to what's urgent. And what happens when we're responding to urgent is we wind up doing things that we really don't need to be doing. Mm. And if there's a fight and you're the assistant principal, you're going to be dealing with that. There's no choice in that. But we get in that mode of just taking care of stuff and we wind up doing things that really are other people's jobs Mm -hmm. or just not that important. Yeah. And, and so I have these, this framework called the three epiphanies. And the first epiphany is for many, many people in education, you can't do it all. You can't get everything done, mm-hmm. right? You could, you can work 12, 14 hours a day. And in the end, there's still more to do. So you can't get everything done. The second epiphany is that if you can't do everything, then you are, by default making choices about what gets done and what does not get done. Yeah. And I think that's so powerful because Mm -hmm. we can be overwhelmed, but there is some liberation and some power in understanding that, wait a minute, no, I can choose. But then the third one is, is to me the one that it scares me. And the third epiphany is that our choices 
should reflect our values. Yeah. And, and so as that assistant principal, when I choose to spend the front 20 minutes of the day catching up with my email, what I'm choosing not to do is to go check in with that brand new teacher, mm. to go take that time to build a relationship. When at the end of the day, I'm running out to, to write the report or do the, do the, um, you know, the, the inventory or whatever it is, I'm choosing not to invest that five minutes at the end of the day and help a teacher reflect on their yeah. le lesson and help develop those reflective practices. And, and so part of this, the first step is again, going back to the idea, it's not about time, it's about priorities. So it's not about how do I get all this done? It's about which of these things yeah. is the most important thing to be done. And, and no matter how busy an assistant principal is, what they will find during the day is that there are tasks that they are doing that are urgent, but not important. Mm -hmm. And, and so once we start to figure that out and once they can start to identify the things that are urgent, but not important, yeah. then what we can do is develop a couple of high leverage practices to help those principals be able to take five minutes. I'm not talking about an hour. We're talking about mm -hmm. five minutes, but in five minutes, Matthew, I could do a reflective coaching session with you that would help you feel like you were valued feel mm -hmm. like you were trusted and help you reflect on the job that you did today. I could do yeah. that in five minutes and, and it's, it's simple. So That's we true. start to teach some really simple practices so that assistant principals, principals can engage with teachers in a way that's really constructive, that communicates to teachers that, that they're valued and that they're respected mm -hmm. and that can pay longer term dividends than just those five minutes. Yeah. That's so important. So about how long, does that process take to take them from urgent to strategic leaders, right? And then the other part is you support a lot of assistant principals. What does some of that support look like uh, for the assistant principal? I love that question about timing. And I think <laughs> part of it depends on where you are in your career. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I did a podcast with uh, Maria um, Maria Warner, who I'd been working with for a couple of years, and she actually was really articulate about a three-year journey. Oh. And that, that first year she was just running around in the urgent zone and we we're working mm -hmm. together during this time. And so she's hearing some of the practices and putting those things out to her and we're having conversations about it, but it's really hard to implement because <laughs> you're stuck in the urgent yeah. and you're still trying to learn everything. And so it's, it's really even hard to understand, okay, well, what's urgent and important and what's just urgent. So that first year is really, I think, trial by fire. And then the second year, she starts to understand that, you know, I can start to build some systems. Okay. I can teach people when it's appropriate to pull me out of class. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, because the pencil sharpener broke down, that's not, <laughs> that's not an emergency, right? That's and, and so we can start to then build some systems. Mm. For example, I can go in, I've been in one school and we sit down in a meeting, we're going to do some instructional leadership stuff and the assistant principal gets a call on the walkie and boom, they're gone. Mm -hmm. In a school just down the road, we sit down to do that work. 
there's something that takes place, but nobody in that room knows it because they have a system where somebody else is assigned yep. to handle emergencies yep. when other people are doing the instructional leadership mm. work, right? So there are systems and structures that we can put in place that help protect people's time. But you do that based on the priorities, again, not yep. on yep. just creating, on yep. getting rid of, getting through all the tasks. Mm. So that's, I think, the second year you okay. tend to start to focus on those things. Yeah. And then hopefully in the third year, now that you have those systems in place, now you're really understanding where the difference is between urgent and important. Mm -hmm. And now you can start to organize your leadership around priorities. Nice. And I actually just ran a group of six assistant principals through this process because the, the book that I've written, the yet as yet unpublished book, um, is all about this journey. So there, there are five stages on their journey from urgent to strategic. The first is is urgent leadership and just understanding what it is, just like what we've talked about. But there's there's understanding after listening to this podcast, and then there's understanding actually doing some challenges and really yeah. dissecting, okay, how does this affect my life? What does my schedule look like? Why am I getting certain things done and not? So there's a whole process that, that we can take people through yeah, to help them really understand what we mean by urgent leadership and and how it's how it's impacting their life and their day-to-day -day mm -hmm. tasks. The second step then is what I call the U-turn. And the U-turn is, is moving from that paradigm of managing tasks to managing priorities. That's, that's what flips us and gets us turned around. It doesn't get us all the way out, but it does get us turned around and starting to head in a different direction. And so then the third stage is that intentional leadership. Now I'm building systems. Now I'm working with the people around me to understand, hey, I'm not going to jump out of a conference and, and I'm not going to run to every one of these things every time the walkie-talkie goes off because what's really important is when I'm with you, teacher, and we're talking about your practice, that's the most important thing. So I'm not going to jump out of here and go, go you know, clean up a mess. And, and so changing people's expectations and helping them understand why you're doing, why you're prioritizing the things that you are. And then, and then there's something I call the accelerator or the boost. And that is where we take some of these really simple, really targeted strategies for working with teachers, for developing the relationships, developing reflective practice. And then finally, as as we get that, now we can start to move into that full place of being that strategic leader. Hmm. So I, I took six assistant principals through this process based around the book. We did it in six weeks, which was oh, wow. <laughs> kind of a breakneck pace. Now yeah. for the, most of them, I think were experienced assistant principals and they'd been reading my stuff. You know, I do a daily email, I have the podcast. And so people are getting steady doses of a lot of the content that I'm talking about. Okay. And so a fair amount of it was repeat for them, but laid out in a way that was much more systematic. And, and so we had a lot of success with that, but there are also constant barriers because mm -hmm. if you were pulled out of your building for three days in a week, guess what? It doesn't matter what your priorities are when you get back. Exactly. You're going to be overwhelmed. Yeah. And, and I think that's the thing I, I keep trying to emphasize, Matthew, 
I'm not talking about hours. You're not going to come in and read the newspaper and then do three 40 minute observations. That is never going to happen. Mm. But what you can do is you can carve out a couple minutes here. You can carve out a couple minutes there and you can learn to make the minutes that you already have with people be much more powerful and much mm. more impactful than what they are currently. Yeah, that's really helpful. Thanks for laying out that framework and also for laying out the expectations and what this could look like, you know, for a mindset shift. But it also takes that Kelly uh, with the frazzled hair and it puts them more in control of their day and makes it more meaningful as they're being purposeful and interacting with people rather than just putting out fires, uh, you know throughout the day. So I really appreciate that. We got connected because of your work with assistant principals and how it intersects with the current issue facing, you know, K-12 systems with teacher burnout, teacher retention. And you're in schools all the time. You're interacting with teachers. And I want to get your take on that as we shift a little bit the conversation to to focus in on that area. What have you seen, you know, through your lens, through your experience, through your interactions in regards to teacher burnout and retention? I think that as a teacher, when you know you're respected, when you know you're valued, and you work in a place where you're cared for, yeah, and when you're in a school that helps you to continually improve your craft and grow mm. as a teacher, yeah. I think that is the kind of atmosphere that teachers want to stay in. And I just mm. listened to your episode number 57 with Tuan Nguyen. Yeah. And, and it was really cool because the episode was kind of focused on retention, but you had this conversation at the end where you clarified the difference between trying to keep people to stay versus not letting them leave. Mm. Right. And, and when we're trying to, not have people leave, that's almost a deficit mindset. Mm -hmm. But when we start thinking about how do we keep people staying, mm -hmm. now we can look at it from more of an asset based. And when people feel respected, valued, and cared for, yeah. and when they're growing in their craft, mm. people want to stay in that situation. Yeah. And so I think that the two biggest mistakes that we are making that are closely related First of all is we're taking autonomy away from teachers in terms of determining how yeah, they yeah. want to grow. Yeah. Uh, I think assistant principals, principals, instructional coaches, y'all are awesome. You have a lot of knowledge, but when we work with a teacher, 95% of all teachers, they are the ones that should be telling us how they want to grow. Mm, if they don't know, then we can have that conversation and we can work with them to help identify. But teachers are competent. Teachers mm. are powerful, but teachers also have huge challenges. And most teachers can tell you, hey, I, I wish things were better in this area. I wish I knew how to do this, or I wish my kids were doing this. And that's the entry point then where we can start to have the conversations and say, okay, how can we help you do that? We yeah. need to get our administrators moved from the evaluative role to the supportive role because mm. that's their job. Mm. Their job is to support and grow teachers. And when I say yeah. that, I don't mean that they tell them what to focus their PD on. The, the number of schools that are driving big professional development and have external people coming in and doing trainings, 
it's so frustrating, Matthew. It's so frustrating because we're coming out of this pandemic and people have been here. Teachers have been heroic in their efforts and they're tired and the kids are struggling. And here Mm -hmm. we're saying, here, come learn this because we determined that this is what you need to learn. And Mm. we've got to stop that. We have Mm. to stop that. And what we need to be doing is going. And I, as an assistant principal, I need to come to you say, wow, Matthew, tell me how your teaching is going. Tell me how that lesson that you taught on, on, um, triangles. How did that go today? Tell me what Mm. worked. Tell me what surprised you. Or is there anything you would do differently? We need to be having those conversations. Mm. And through those conversations, you're going to say, yeah, you know, the one thing that, that really, I get my kids into groups and I just feel like they're having so much trouble focusing. Okay. Well, do you think maybe we can do something that will provide you with some tips to help them to focus their group work better? Would that be good? Yeah. (laughs) Now now we're working together and I'm serving you. Yeah. So I, I show this, I show this, uh, video of a kind of traditional social studies teacher who stands up and lectures. It's about a nine minute video and the the lesson is a train wreck, right? You can imagine kind of bumbling along and nobody's engaged. And when I end it, if I have 10 APs and I say, what should Mr. P focus on? Matthew, I'll get three, at least three different answers. Really? Okay. And and so that tells me that we're not particularly good at identifying the one thing, Mm. or there is no the one thing. Mm. So I might think it's classroom management. Somebody else might think that it's pedagogy or better questioning skills or building relationships with the kids. Mm. And in the end, I don't think it matters because any of those things would constitute an improvement. And so the task is not for me to go in and tell Dr. P what he needs to work on, but to go in and say, what do you want to work on? Mm. What, what's not working for you right now? You tell me, Mm. and then that's what we will focus on. It's really interesting. I was just having a conversation today, actually, about autonomy, right? But we were talking about autonomy within the classroom, the curriculum, the art of teaching, right? And some teachers feel like that's being taken away from them. But now we're expanding that vision of autonomy, and it's also autonomy within their own professional growth. And and I really like that, having those questions, having that conversation and asking them where do they want to grow and then you know, guiding them or helping them or supporting them, like you're saying, along that path, instead of requiring or mandating, you know, a certain this, 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 this. And as we're doing that, it's sort of putting out their fire and it's not letting them grow in ways that they need to grow. Now, as you see support, right, you've you've said this word support like a number of times, and you've also explained it and given a couple examples. But what does that support look like? Like, for a teacher in the classroom that is given support from an assistant principal or a principal, what could that support look like? Like as you're envisioning like good, solid support that energizes a teacher to make them better, to keep them going, to support them so that they want to stay in this profession, so that they get better, so that the students are served to the best capability. What, what does that look like to you? Matthew, I love getting questions that help me grow <laughs> and think through things. And this is a great question. Thank you. So I, I see support as breaking into two different pieces. 
I always teach that there's six dimensions to organizations and the primary four dimensions are people, purpose, mm. structures, and resources. So one part of the support mechanism is to clarify the purpose of the organization in a way that makes sense to the teachers who are teaching in it, to align the structures to the work that the teachers are trying to do, And to make sure that the resources are allocated as much as they can be to support the work of the teachers. So one part of that support then is actually bringing your school and the different elements of your school into alignment with the work that the teachers are trying to do. So that's one leg of that support. And then the second leg of the support is looking at what I consider to be the four primary facets of, of the people in the organization, which is their skills their knowledge, their health, and their dispositions. And I tend to think of that support piece as with the people being really focused on the health and Mm -hmm. then the growth piece being focused on skills, knowledge, and dispositions. I'm not sure I completely have that right, but that's the way that I conceptualize it at this point. And I will say too, I, I used to be one of those people that says, Hey, Put your emotions in a box, put it in a cardboard box, you know, put it on the shelf, go in and do your job. And you know, I was wrong. I was wrong. We want teachers to bring themselves to their teaching. Well, they're going to bring all themselves. And mm. in any, any profession now, we're seeing yeah. what happens when we try to separate personal You're from right. professional. You can't. Yeah. yeah. So we have to care. And that's why people before purpose, because the purpose mm-hmm. gets muddled. Yeah. What's our purpose? Help kids do test scores. You know, what is it? it we don't even know half the time. It's, it, you know, but when we have conversations with people, yeah, then we know. It's so true. And if I know that you're, you know, you're struggling to care for your aging mother who's now mm-hmm. been in and out of the hospital and now is going to move in with you, and like, guess what? We're not going to do some intensive coaching cycle. That's, yeah. That's preposterous. Mm. So supporting you in that situation is making sure that, that we're caring, that I'm asking, that I'm being there for that space just for you to be able to process because maybe there's nobody else that you can Mm. talk to right now. And when we get to the point where we can bring that focus back on craft, then I'm there to help you do that too. Yeah. And and I will say, I, I do think it's very motivating for people to get better at what they do. True. And, and so it's not, when people are struggling, it's not a matter of saying, well, you don't have to grow anymore. It's recognizing where they are and what they're, how much space they have, how much time, how much attention emotionally and otherwise that they can give to that growth. And then it's it's scaling and adjusting that appropriately. Yeah, I just want to point out something before we move on in our conversation that the support that we started with, you know, the support that you're offering principals, assistant principals, administrators is directly affecting the support that they're able to then offer teachers and students in the schools. And as assistant principals, administrators are feeling supported and being supported and making this mind shift then the teachers in turn are going to get the effective support they need to grow, be better in their craft and, you know, not burn out and retain 
within the teaching profession. So I really appreciate that. And we've made that connection, but I just wanted to explicitly sort of highlight that in case our listeners sort of dozed off or, you know, are listening in the car and <laughs> got distracted by something. But Frederick, this has been such a great conversation. It is time for the final word. What would you like to say to close out this podcast? If principals, assistant principals, and instructional coaches could do just one thing, if teachers could do this, just this one thing. Here's what I'd like you to do. Yeah. In the morning, when you go into your school, spend, when you come into contact with somebody, take two seconds, two seconds to look at them, to smile and to say their name mm. and to acknowledge them. Just do that. And that will start to improve the day. Like, because that communicates the message that you're important. You're the reason I'm here. Too many times we just walk by people or we say, Matthew, how you doing? I'm good. Okay. And then we, and then we move on. Hmm. So taking those two seconds to just be present. And then if you want to amp that up, you do what I call asking the second question. So the first question I just modeled, Matthew, how are you? And the appropriate answer is I, I'm fine. Because when I ask that question. I'm not really asking, how are you? I'm just saying, hi, I I see you. Mm. And then you're saying, thank you by saying I'm fine. But if I then stop and say, oh, Matthew, really, I know you've got a lot going on right now. Tell me, how are you? That's the second question. And as soon as I ask the second question, what I have done is I have stopped the world and I've communicated to you that you are important, that I value you. And that right now you are the most important person in this world. And I want to know, how are you? Yeah. And maybe it's still good, but maybe now you can celebrate you know, the kids' soccer games that took place over the weekend or whatever it might be. Yeah. Or maybe you can open up about a weight that you're carrying. Hmm. But if we just did that, if we just greeted people and asked the second question, and we did that with two or three people every morning in our school or the end of every day, th- there would be change. Positive yeah. change. Yeah, that's a great final word. Before we end, who do you want to give a shout out to? I heard you ask this question of a previous guest, and so I've been rattling my head. I have about <laughs> twenty five thousand people. Yeah, I I had. Um, we're also podcasters, so I do the assistant principal podcast. And on Tuesday, that would have been May sixteenth, I had an interview with Tequila Lamar, who is just just the brightest soul. And we had this incredible conversation about imposter syndrome. And I don't know about you, but I have been burdened with that disease for a long time. And so I want to celebrate that conversation with Tequila Lamar because um, she's just somebody that really has carried me and uplifted my soul just in that one conversation. So I'll shout out to her. Frederick, thank you so much for joining me on this podcast and all of your insight. Listeners, thank you for joining us on the Diving Deep EDU podcast. If you liked this episode, subscribe, rate, review, and share it out. Until next time. Wow, it's time to reflect. That's astounding. You've been checking out the podcast from Matthew Downing. Hope you like diving deep like a scuba diver. And the show provoked hope. That's our true desire.